0: What's up Salt Company? Hey, good evening, good evening. It's an honor to uh, spend another Thursday night with you. What's up? Hey, yeah, (laughs) come on. Hey, this is week two in the building. Feels kind of nice. Yeah, it feels kind of nice. Let's go. Starting to feel more and more like home. It's great to be with you tonight Hey, my name's Austin. I have the privilege of being up here quite a bit and uh, hanging with you guys and teaching through the Bible. And we're going to do the same thing tonight. So one of the things you can do is get out your Bibles. If you've got one, great. If you've got a phone, there's a Bible app. Uh, If you want a physical one, we've got blue ones. And you can take it. You could have it for the rest of your life. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis, starting in chapter 25. Genesis, chapter 25. But as you guys are turning there, I just wanted to share something kind of exciting. It's a personal, really exciting thing. Tomorrow morning, guys, me and my wife, I'm married by the way, uh, we're going to California because this weekend is our one year anniversary. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Come on! Yeah, super stoked. Uh, Cora is the best, and it has been a fabulous year. But we're going to go to Napa Valley, California. Enjoy the the rolling hills of wine country out in California. I'm excited, uh, to be honest. Because this time of year, guys, we know it. The skies start to get a little bit more gray, you know? A little bit more homework, a little bit less sleep. It's kind of a grind. November, here we are, right? That is personally why I think... The, the wedding date of like early November. Feeling pretty good about that choice because this time of year, the little anniversary trip is going to be nice and refreshing. So anyway, that's just a personal little highlight. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And honestly, I use that word blessed because we probably toss that around a little bit, right? We feel blessed. How do we know if we're blessed? What What is blessing? Do we just toss that word around too much? What does that mean? I wanted to... I wanted to just share with you a nice quick definition. What does it look like to be blessed? What is a blessing? It's when God gives you something good for you to enjoy. When you've got something good going on, you're blessed, right? Okay, I just wanted to get real with you guys and start thinking like, okay, actually, what are some of the blessings that we just want desperately, What is a college student, what is somebody our generation really, like, looking for that would qualify as, like, a good life, as a blessed life? What what are the things that we're really striving for and hoping for in our life that would say, man, I'm blessed? Maybe it's it's the reality that, like, when I walk into the room, people just simply want to be with me. Wouldn't that be a blessed experience? For people who just I don't want to be with me. Okay, what if it was like, what if a blessed life is having the job where you get to work for something that you're passionate about and you get paid enough where it feels like it's worth it, right? Isn't that a blessed life? Maybe it's to have that relationship that just makes you feel whole, To have that person in your life, whether it's a friend or a spouse, that you feel like you are partners in crime. What if it's like maybe the blessed life is just being approved of by your parents? Maybe it's just like being the favorite child, right? Your parents wouldn't say this, but if they had to pick one, they'd pick you. Is that like the blessed life? What is it that we're like just hoping for? That we would be able to quantify, man, this is a good life that I'm thankful for. Tonight, we've got a story of a guy named Jacob. And we get introduced to him in Genesis chapter 25. And he had this idea of what would a, what would a blessed life look like. And frankly, he didn't get it. He didn't get what he wanted. And so an immediate question for you to start thinking about is like, hey, if you've got this picture of like, what does it actually look like if I were to have a blessed life to feel like God's given me something good to enjoy, what if you didn't get that? What would you do if you had this vision for your life and thinking that it needs to be this certain way and then you would love it, but what if you didn't get that? What would you do? How would you think about your life if you didn't get what you wanted? That's the, that's the type of circumstance that Jacob finds himself in. And it wasn't until a certain encounter that he was able to really understand what his life was all about. What his problems were all about. What his disappointments were supposed to point him towards. And the same is going to be true for you. There can be an encounter that you have that will be able to put things in their place. So I'm excited to study this little piece, this little story of the life of Jacob, and it starts in Genesis chapter 25. You guys can look there with me right now. He wanted to be the favorite child, okay? He wanted to be the favorite child, but in order to understand Jacob, we need to understand some of his family lineage. So can I introduce you to Jacob's grandpa? His name was Abraham, okay? Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, one of his sons was Isaac, right? Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac would be Jacob's father. Here's what God told to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless your family line, okay? I'm going to draw near, and one of, through your family line, you will have a messianic son, meaning that through one of your sons, the Savior of the world is going to come. Okay? So Isaac was that son. And he, was, he received the same promise that Abraham did, that your son will, receive, will, through your son, the Messiah will come. Through your bloodline, the Messiah will come. But here's what's interesting. Isaac had twins. Ooh. Who's the Messiah going to come through? Right? This is where we get introduced to, To Jacob in Genesis chapter 25. If you guys want to look at your Bibles with me, it starts in verse 22. This is while uh, Isaac's wife was pregnant with the twins. This is what it says about them. It says the the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, And two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. Yikes. Uh, So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Another yikes. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah, this is their mother, loved Jacob. So here we have it. A promise to Isaac, just like his father Abraham, that through the bloodline would come the Messiah. That it would come through one of the sons, but he's got twins. So what's going to happen? Who's the favorite child going to be? If you were one of these twins, wouldn't that be the question that you were wondering the whole time? Imagine being in their, in their shoes in this moment. You knew the promise that through your family, important stuff was going to happen. The family lineage would be famous. The prestige of the family was to be talked about for generations. Don't you want to be the one that it comes through? Don't you want to be the favorite child? But what we see, what we know about the culture that Jacob and Esau were found in is that the firstborn. The firstborn would always be the one that everybody would expect the prestige of the family to go to. So in this case, it's very likely that Esau would be the one. Esau should be the one that the family prestige goes to, the inheritance goes to, that everybody's looking to to be the ruler of the next generation. He would be the famous favorite child. But... Not according to the promise that God gave to this family. Did you catch this prophecy that was given to Rebekah the mother? It said that the older, Esau, would actually serve the younger. So this is actually saying that when you take the cultural context out, it's actually Jacob that would receive the promised blessing of God. But what we find is that the father Isaac had blinders on, cultural blinders on, and so he, like everybody else, chose to have favorites with Esau. Why did he do this? Because Esau was a man's man. Did you hear it? He was hairy already when he was just born. This guy could grow a nasty beard. Nasty as in good, like a good, solid beard. He spent his days in the field, right? He was... He would have been the three-sport athlete, strong. You know, he'd walk by the mirror and flex on his way by. He was a man's man. And Jacob, he was more of an indoorsy guy, you know, dwelled in tents. That's literally what it says. He dwelled in tents. He's an indoors guy, right? Unlikely to be the favorite child of the dad. And so Isaac... Favorite Esau, because he ate of his hunting game. He was a great hunter. But Rebecca loved Jacob. The first sin within this whole family drama that's about to unfold is the fact that Isaac picked favorites. And he wasn't trusting the prophecy of God saying that the older shall serve the younger, that the younger one, through the younger, would the family line come. But instead, he had his cultural blinders on, and picked favorites with Esau. Do you guys have cultural blinders on that make you discount the promises of God and have preferences for certain things that go against what he says? Isaac had cultural blinders on, saying everybody else assumes that Esau should be the favorite child, so I'm just gonna go with the culture, and Esau's gonna be my favorite. As a result of this, We see that Jacob resents Esau, and there's this, like, wall of division going up in their family. You can imagine this, right? If you were the one that thought that you should be the promised child where the lineage of the Messiah would come, but your dad is picking favorites with the hunter, with your older brother, would you not be a little pissed off about that? Dad, what gives? Why do you give so much attention to this son? What about me? So Jacob is resenting Esau. He's bummed. He's feeling like he's not getting the same love from his dad that his older brother is. And so there becomes, as we see throughout the life of Jacob, this little idea that starts to form. Esau is the one getting in the way of the life that I want. Esau is the problem. Esau is the one that's keeping me from the life that I should have. He's the problem with my life. And so Jacob becomes consumed with this idea that I need to figure out a way to become the favorite child. If my dad is choosing favorites, like, I need to prove it to him. Maybe I need to trick my way to become the favorite child to earn the blessing. Maybe in order to get what I want, I need to start like stealing, lying, cheating in order to get the life that I want. He takes his life into his own hands saying, I'm going to chase down the very thing that I want. What would you do if you felt like this was your life where you had to prove something like that? If things aren't just being like handed to you the way you think they should be. How do you try to prove yourself? Is it through performance at school? Is it through approval of your friends? Is it dressing a certain way so that you can get the life that you want, that you can get the praise that you want? How do you get attention? Jacob was craving this attention that he wasn't getting from his father, and so he grasped it with his own hands, took his life Into his own hands. And what we see as a result is that there's now bitterness between Jacob and Esau. It's this whole thing that spans throughout the rest of their life. We're we're blasting through a couple chapters in here from 25, and we'll pick back up in chapter 32. But in between there, there's just a lot of junk that goes on. And what we see is that there's just enmity between Jacob and Esau. Jacob's pissed that. That Isaac loves Esau more. Esau's pissed because Jacob is, like, stealing stuff from him and taking possessions from him. And so there's just this crazy, oh, it's just nasty, to be honest. It's absolutely gross. But what we see, that as we pick it back up in chapter 32, Esau wants to kill Jacob because Jacob has taken possessions from him. Taken blessing from him, from his father. Jacob's life, because of this little desire to get attention and love from his father, has turned into a life of stealing, cheating, manipulating to get what he wanted. It all started with just a little twinge of, I want to get something that I don't have. And so we see, in Jacob's life, that what you're striving after Whatever that thing is at the very center that you're striving after has the power to turn you into a person that you otherwise didn't think you would become. You really think Jacob started off in his life thinking that he was going to cause this division in his family? Do You think he really wanted to do that? It came because of this little twinge of what he was striving after that he didn't have and took it into his own hands. Guys, the same is true for us. It's a slippery slope. Nobody thinks and plans on becoming an alcoholic when in their 30s. But if you're just looking for an escape every weekend, look, looking for something to numb the pain, looking to have that control and that relief that you don't have now, then you'll wind up one day needing a couple of drinks just to fall asleep. Nobody plans on being so obsessed with work that it destroys a family dynamic. But when you have this deep desire for your approval through your performance, and that's the thing that you're striving after, then one day you could wind up so obsessed with how your performance is at work that you totally disregard your family at home. Nobody plans on committing adultery with their spouse 30 years in. But if you have this craving at the source to use other people for your pleasure, then you can wind up using people and seeking for a couple moments of ecstasy and totally throwing out a marriage. Nobody plans on becoming that type of person. It's through these little twinges of trying to get something that you don't have and taking it into your own hands that can turn you into a person that you don't actually want to become? What is it that is motivating you at your core? What are you striving for? It has the power to point you in a great direction or one that you never wish you would have hopped on in the first place. Jacob was striving for approval from other people and it led to a life of chaos, of manipulation, of lying and cheating and stealing. But there will be an encounter where he will have a moment that everything flips upside down. You see, because him and Esau were at odds, right? They had been hating one another. Esau wanted to kill Jacob, but Jacob had fled from home saw a life away from his family, but finally, he's deciding to come home and just confront Esau. Have a conversation with him. And that's where we'll pick up in chapter 32. If you want to flip to Genesis chapter 32, this is what we'll see as Jacob is about to encounter a man who seems to be his biggest problem. He's going to encounter somebody who has been above all of these pursuits, and Jacob will come face-to-face with the one who has been the problem in his life. But it's actually not who he expects. The story gets crazier. Check this out in chapter 32. Start in verse 24. It says, and Jacob was left alone. This was on his journey back home, about to encounter Esau. But this is what happened. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob. rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Does that make sense to you? That's, that's crazy stuff. We're going to unpack this a little bit. Jacob wrestled with God. What does that even look like? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, this made me think about something crazy. I remembered. you guys know Gable Steveson? Yeah, Gable Stevenson. Built like a freaking tank. Oh, my goodness. He wrestled for the U of M, right? Then, not too long ago, he was in the Olympics. He won the Olympic gold as time was expiring. It was absolutely nuts. One of my buddies from a couple of years ago told me this story about Gable Steveson wrestling at the U. He was, uh, my buddy was on the wrestling team. And this guy was unmatched. Gable Steveson, unmatched. So much so that in order to train this guy they would need to have him stand in the center of the mat, and then they would have, like, three or four guys standing around him, okay? And then they would call out random numbers, and one of the guys at a time would attack him from behind and, like, try and take him down. But Gable was so great, so unmatched, that he would just flip the dude, pin him, and then that guy would have to walk off, and then they'd call another number, and then another guy would go on and try and take him down. According to my friend... Gable never got taken down. Are you kidding me? They would just like, they would just keep going. They would just keep sending dudes at him and he couldn't take them down. Unreal. Not a fair fight. Gable Stevenson, huge, massive dude, great technique. You can't beat him. But here's what we have with Jacob it wasn't an unfair fight, it was a wrestling match that lasted all night. Hours. How do you wrestle somebody for hours? You've got to be totally even matched. A total even match until one point. Jacob was wrestling with God and it was even. I'm not totally sure how that's possible, to be honest with you, except for the reality that God was holding back a little bit. Until one moment when he touched his hip. When he touched his hip. That's actually what happened. He didn't like wrench it. He said it touched his hip and it went out of socket. Yikes. And it was at this moment that Jacob realized who he was wrestling with. He was not wrestling with a mere man. But he was wrestling with somebody who had unmatched power. That with a touch... He could totally disable him. This moment when he realized that he was wrestling with God was so much more profound than just a wrestling match. It was the moment when Jacob realized, Esau is not actually my biggest problem. All those things in my life that I didn't get, they were not just because of Esau. It was actually because I was not trusting the promise of God. The real problem in Jacob's life was not Esau. The real problem in Jacob's life was not his father who was picking favorites. The real problem in Jacob's life was that he didn't trust God. And this encounter with the man woke him up. It finally showed Jacob that all his life he had actually been wrestling with God. Why did you put me in the family that I'm a part of? Why didn't you give me the thing that I wanted when I needed it most? Why did this person leave? Why did this friendship not work out? Why did that new job not fulfill me? Why did this success not actually give me the thing that I hoped for? It wasn't the circumstances that were the problem. It was that he wasn't actually in relationship with God and trusting him step by step. This moment was a moment that Jacob realized that the biggest problem in his life was a lack of trust in the God who gave him everything. Guys, the same is true of you and me the biggest problem in our life is not our circumstances, but is it do we actually trust the God who put us in those circumstances? God is saying to you tonight, just like he was saying to Jacob in this wrestling match, that true blessing, the true good life, does not come by you grappling and finally having the perfect circumstances. The good life comes from seeing me face to face. Seeing God face to face. That's blessing. When you get up close with God, you'll realize that the ways you've been totally dissatisfied with your life, that was actually the right thing to happen. You were dissatisfied because you are meant to be satisfied by God and enjoying Him and actually being with Him and trusting that He's with you. The best thing about life is found in the presence of God. He's the giver of all good things. And even the best things on this earth are just a signpost to him being the provider, him being intimate, him drawing near to be with you. When you finally come face to face with God, you'll realize that the greatest thing you could ever experience is a glimpse of who he is. And that's exactly what Jacob got. Let's look back at verse 25. It says, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then he said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Does anybody else think it's kind of strange that that ends with saying, you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed? Did Jacob really win? According to me, he got mega wrecked. Got his hip touched, and he's down for the count. Did Jacob really win? The way that Jacob won wasn't by getting all of the answers perfectly sorted out by God. The way that Jacob won was by losing. He won by being made low, by being injured. How do we make sense of that? How do we make sense of that? This is, interestingly, the way that you and I also get to win. We get to win by losing. If the goal of our life is trying to come out on top, trying to make sure that we've got a leg up on the competition, trying to make sure that we succeed more than the person to the right or to the left, making sure that we get praise for all the great things that we do and all the bad things that we do. We just kind of shove under the rug and hope nobody notices. If that's our goal, then we're ultimately going to lose because we're just not actually striving for the right thing. The way to win is to lose, to realize that we are not The ones that should ultimately get the glory. We are not meant to live a life where we elevate ourselves. We are meant to live a life where we lower ourselves and through that elevate the name of Jesus and say, He's the winner. Man, He is awesome. I'm not. We get to win. By losing. I was talking to Drew, who you guys met a couple weeks ago, unless you come on Sundays to redemption. He dropped this amazing line. Check this out. I have to give him credit for it because it's great. He said, You need to be less to be blessed. Isn't that good? Yeah. I think it's kind of catchy. You need to be less to be blessed. This is what happened to Jacob. Jacob thought that for his entire life, he needed to be raised up, that he needed to be the center, that he needed to get the things that he wanted for his life to be blessed. But what he realized in this wrestling match with God, when he was made low and injured, realizing that God was in control of his life, that he was so powerful that he could just touch his hip and knock it out of place, that he was actually in control. Jacob needed to be made less to be blessed. It was in this wrestling match that God disciplined him. What is discipline? It's out of love, a correction. The touch of God on Jacob's hip was discipline. It was not destruction. It did not destroy his life, but it disciplined him in showing, hey man, you're just off a little bit because you've been trying to strive so hard to earn the blessing yourself. Let me just... I can give you blessing. You don't need to earn this yourself. Jacob was disciplined, and he had a limp that showed for it. In verse 31, it says, The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This little limp would... Would stay with him for the rest of his life, but it would be a reminder, a constant reminder of God's careful hand, his discipline that would teach him hey, blessing comes from me, blessing comes from God. It does not come from you striving to get it yourself. What's the thing that causes you to remember the same thing? Has there been a time that you've been made low? That something's been stripped away from you. The things didn't go the way you thought they would, but in the end, it actually pointed you to a good God who was there for you to pick you back up and say, hey, the good life comes from me, from being close to me, from seeing my face. Here's what that little limp reminded Jacob of. It was that you cannot earn blessing, you can only receive it. You cannot earn God's grace. You cannot earn relationship with God. You can only receive it. How do you receive it? Through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what this whole thing is a massive arrow to. It's all a massive arrow To the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jacob was just like an image of what Jesus would become. Jesus being like the greater Joseph, that Jacob wrestled with God and experienced a touch from the hand of God and it wrenched his hip, but Jesus would experience the full wrath of God on the cross. uh, Jacob experienced the discipline of God because Jesus experienced the full destruction of God. And Jacob was able to survive and say, I've seen God face to face, but my life has been delivered because Jesus got his face turned away from God. Jacob received grace because Jesus was put to death on his behalf. The same is true for you. If you are in Christ, grace is that Jesus took away the penalty that you had to pay yourself. And now you can see God face to face. And you'll be delivered. You see, the life of Jesus was a beautiful display of being less to be blessed. He was in eternal peace, enjoying the throne room of God, and then was sent to earth to serve. He was born as a baby in a poor family. He was made less. He was a carpenter by trade. He would become a teacher, and he would gain followers, but many people would reject him. The God of the universe, many people would reject him. He was made less. Even his friends would leave him in the final days. He would take a wooden cross, and he would hike it up a hill. People would be tossing insults on him, whipping him. He was made less. He would eventually hang on the cross, and he would breathe his last breath and he would die. He was made less. But then that same Jesus would raise from the dead three days later and receive the name that is above every name. He would appear to over 500 people in person and then he would ascend into the throne room of God and he would be made the name that is most worthy to be praised. Jesus Christ over death, victorious over death blessed but what happened first was he was totally lowered he was made less to be blessed and the same is true for you if you would follow him this is the life of Jesus but I just want to encourage you that this is the good life because here's what it says you actually don't need to be that impressive if striving to have the life that you want is ultimately exhausting, feeling like you've got to work so hard to make sure every little thing is in line, the freedom of the gospel is that the good life is freely given. You don't have to be that impressive, you can simply follow Jesus and enjoy the grace of a free gift. Jesus didn't elevate himself, but lowered himself, and he received blessing. If you don't elevate yourself, but lower yourself, you will receive the greatest blessing known to man, which is the face of God, to know God intimately, to walk with him. And all it takes is for him to come near to you, which is what he did he made himself known so that you would be able to walk intimately with him lowering yourself and lifting high the name of Jesus this this is the life of the christian it's not impressive it's just awesome would you guys pray with me father we're so thankful for your grace that is free Thank you that we don't need to earn salvation. Thank you that we don't need to impress you in order to be blessed. Thank you for giving us a massive arrow through the life of Jacob, who he was striving and striving and lying and cheating and stealing in order to get what he wanted. And oftentimes, God, that's what we're doing putting on faces manipulating circumstances, just to try and get what we want, God, but thank you for the free gift that you give us, relationship with you, that we don't need to earn it, we don't need to strive for it, but we can simply receive it. God, thank you for the ways that you discipline us to see that ultimately we can be satisfied in you for those that are feeling things stripped away in this room, for those that are in this room who feel wounded and weak, God, I pray that you would just reveal yourself to them and reveal how you can satisfy their soul. You can give them true life. I pray that we would just enjoy following you, that we would enjoy interacting with you face to face. God, be here in this room. Be praised. Be lifted high. As we lower ourselves before you, you are most worthy of praise. So I pray that you would just be glorified as we sing you, sing to you in song now. Pray this in your name. Amen.